Today's uh, Bible passage uh, will be from Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen. Amen. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Or it's actually not quite noon, but uh, yesterday uh, I had a really good time seeing people and uh, fellowshipping together. The kids were running around. It's just a great day. We had kites, frisbees, softballs, bikes, um, footballs being thrown around. So it was really nice to be together. Uh, I'd like to embark uh, us to embark on a new sermon series uh, on the theme of forming a good Christian habits. I was talking with another pastor a few weeks back, and he was telling me how he thinks uh, people in his church need to relearn certain habits that have been forgotten or fallen by the wayside during the pandemic. Um, correspondingly, there are, are uh, bad habits that we picked up uh, in the same time frame that should be eliminated. What he said resonated uh, with me, both on a personal and corporate level. Uh, almost unavoidably, we've had to do things very differently for the past uh, year plus. Uh, of course, we're still in the throes of the pandemic, but there seems to be a general impression that there'll be a chance to resume a life that approximates the pre-COVID times and the not too distant future. Uh, naturally, we could just restart uh, the things that we've done in the past. Uh, surely some of the simpler habits can be easily resumed. But I was thinking that this may be uh, an opportunity to frame new habits, uh, to develop better ones, right? to initiate better perspectives and disciplines uh, in order for us to have a more effective and consequential uh, Christian life. It's with this in mind that I'd like to bring four messages from the 12th chapter of the Epistle to the Romans written by Apostle Paul. There are, of course, any number of habits that we could address, but here are the titles and verses from the chapter that I'd like us to examine and reflect upon for the next few weeks. So today, uh, reforming our habits worship, based on one and two, and then uh, reforming our habits interdependence. Uh, then um, we'll talk about zeal, fervor, passion in what we do. And lastly, on June 6th, uh, harmony, harmony, uh, whether with people who are in good standing with us or not so good standing. And then I also put in uh, June 13th, we have our guest speaker, Reverend Frank Williams, which falls on the anniversary of the church. And then Pastor Johnny will hopefully, and Eunice will hopefully be in New York, uh, and they'll be joining us in person uh, for service. I think they'll be quarantining before that, but uh, they'll, uh, that's the plan. So uh, looking forward to that uh, uh, time together. As you can see, I use the term reforming, reforming, uh, to frame our inquiry. Uh, formation 
Um, it's a term of art in the field of transformation and growth. Um, I like the way uh, reforming uh, what that connotes, both in the sense of kind of reestablishing, re kind of starting what we already know uh, what, how to do, right? Reforming uh, these things, but also the idea of refining, rectifying, remaking better habits that are stronger and more effective. Kind of like how we use the term Protestant Reformation uh, as it sought to reform some of the untenable practices of the Roman Catholic Church um, at the time. So let me get to our main theme today, worship, reforming our habits of worship. I'm using the term more expansively, worship, than just what we're doing now, i.e. this is our worship service. Uh, to me, worship is more than just a Sunday morning or afternoon ritual. Worship is the overall experience and practice, indeed the excellent habit of dedicating ourselves fully to the Lordship of Christ. The worship of Christ, of God, is not to be limited to a certain hour or a particular day. Uh, neither should it be circumscribed by certain ritualistic or liturgical elements. Worship is about devoting ourselves wholesale to the heart and purposes of God. Right? It's a life that pleases God 24-7, that seeks to please God 24-7. In a relation, relational sense, worship is to honor God by communing with him closely, to experience his presence, his, his voice, his promptings, his leading more frequently, more intensively, the longer we abide in him. Now, I will mention here and there today, I think, aspects of our worship, worship service experience. But again, I am hoping to touch on more of a lifestyle, more of an approach to life rather than just a weekly event. So I came up with the theme of worship from what Paul says about offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, right? That, that is a, our spiritual act of worship, right? So when we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, we're worshiping, according to verse 1. So for organizational purposes, I'm going to divide, I divided my message today into three sections, one devoted to kind of each part of our personalities, right? Trichotomous personality, engaging in the word practice of worship. So a worship engagement, that, that's the uh, kind of what I want to move forward with. First of all, our bodies, right? We're told to offer our bodies as living sacrifice in view of God's mercy. God's been merciful to us. He's forgiven us. He's given us his best, his all. And so in turn, we present everything, right? Our bodies to him as a sacrifice. It, we belong to him fully, uh, completely. And then uh, I want to say that we can worship through our soul, right? Okay, and soul has many definitions, but I'm going to stick with the mind aspect, right? And Paul says uh, we have to renew our mind be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's how we worship God. And then uh, what I'm calling the spirit, right? And to me, that's a, a spiritual worship is how we, yeah, it's kind of synonymous or equivalent to worship, right? Spirit, spiritual walk with God is equivalent to worship of God. But here he says that um, we can uh, test and approve, right, what God's will is, right? His holy, pleasing, and perfect will. So, you know, using our worship in the spirit as a confirmation of God's will. So those would be going to be my, you know, uh, 
things that I focus on within each um, kind of category. Now, I do not think that the verses are clearly sectioned or delineated in this manner, body, soul, and spirit, but I wanted, and there's a lot of overlap, right? Um, like, you know, Paul says, presenting our bodies is a spiritual act of worship. Um, but that's true in the human person as well, right? We have body, soul, and spirit, according to the trichotomous kind of uh, model, but, you know, they you know, my body affects my soul, my soul affects my spirit, my spirit affects my body. They all kind of, you know, work in tandem or in chaos, <laughs> or whatever it is. And so that kind of, that, that overlap, that um, is, it's not clean, clear cut. But for, uh, again, for our purposes, I, I, I just wanted to speak uh, in that order. So neither do the categories themselves have a super clear linkage to the phrases used by Apostle Paul. I just wanted to make it memorable so that not only today, but down the road, you guys can think about how is you know the, my habit of worship? Am I offering my body? Right? Am I renewing my mind? Am I you know, following God's will? Right? So uh, let's launch with... Uh, this then presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. And, and again, within each category, <laughs> there's so many different directions, like almost limitless directions that you can go. So I want to focus on uh, when we're talking about um, worshiping God through our body, right, through our bodies, uh, I want to focus on uh, reformulating the habit of good physical health. Okay, very simple. Yeah, I think good physical health contributes to good worship, right? You know, God, uh, Paul says, and, and, the, and the Word of God says that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, right? And our bodies are to be holy. Our bodies are supposed to be dedicated to God. So if our body is unhealthy, if our bodies are messed up, that impacts worship, right? Like, like let's say we think of the physical temple in, in Jerusalem, if it was dilapidated or if it was dangerous, or if it was broken down or if it was dirty and smelly, like when Jesus you know, cleared out the temple, right, if there was wrong things going on there, right, that impacted worship. And, and that's my argument today, uh, that uh, if we don't form the habit, if we don't have a habit of being healthy physically, that can negatively uh, impact or affect uh, our worship of God overall, right? And for example, um, let's say that you don't sleep much. Let's say you stay up for no good reason really late on Saturday night. Um, you know, it, it's very easy to have a unpleasant, right, Sunday experience, right? It's really hard to concentrate on a long message, or it's easy to be irritable and get annoyed with your kids or with other people. You know, your fatigue can wear on you so that you're less attentive to others, so that maybe you see someone who you know needs prayer or has a, something difficult going on, and you just completely blank, right, because you're physically exhausted yeah, or you're not uh, physically uh, fit. So... I'm not saying that we should just, you know, develop the habit of good health. It's positive to feel better or to live longer or not be a burden on caregivers, but that as we worship, our bodies are optimally prepped, prepared. We're 
prepared vessels to express our best praise, right? To hear uh, His voice clearly, to jump at, to dedicate ourselves to whatever service God calls us uh, to render. Uh, you know, Pastor Johnny went out to uh, Thailand. Uh, you know, he actually, you know, got really physically fit. Right? Lost lost weight, and you know, he was he was looking really good. Still is. And stuff, and and he told me that um, he really thought about he didn't want to be sent to the mission field, and then have to come back because he was unhealthy. <laughs> like he had to go to too many doctors' appointments or that kind of stuff. So his mission service was, you know, uh, enhanced by uh, you know physical healthiness, right? And I thought that was really cool that you know for the sake of the gospel. Um, he wanted to really uh, uh, be as strong and healthy uh, when it's up up to us um, than uh, he could. I feel like for me and maybe for you during the pandemic, I think I've developed some bad habits with respect to healthfulness, right? It could be overeating, guilty, right? Being too sedentary, <laughs> guilty. Uh, sleeping too late, reading unnecessary stuff, guilty, uh, just a number of choices that detract from being physically uh, fit. But what's worse is uh, not only those habits or those practices themselves, but I found that I discovered a certain kind of inertia, right, that's set in during this time. Like, so even though I, let's say I, I, I had the time and theoretically the desire to like go out, be more active, be more healthy, or meet people, just do things that would improve my physical health. Um, I just wanted to stay home. I just wanted to not be bothered. You know, convenience was king. And I just, you know, remained in that, that mode of just letting myself go. Right? That became a habit. It's not like I was resting well at home. I felt pretty blah and tired, even though I wasn't doing anything. Low motivation, low morale, um, not much endorphin flow, right, et cetera. Now, I've had, you know, we've all had bouts of low energy many times in the past, but the problem was this. I was justifying my inactivity or my unhealthfulness because of the COVID crisis. I was allowing myself to say, well, you know, we all feel this way, and what can we do about it? And, you know, you can't expect me to, to you know, it was that rationalization of being a, a couch potato uh, that kind of, like, shocked me uh, when, I, when I thought about it, right? Yeah, certainly, we, we can feel this way, but when it becomes a habit, when it becomes a, a habit that is unjustifiably, kind of too, uh, too strong, I think we need to, yeah, deal with it. We need to address it, figure out a way that we can overcome before it's too late. I mean, it might be too late for, 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 for people. It might be too late for me, but, you know, I, I think I should, we should start. I should start, right? And, and one thing, a plug for the uh, Connect Fellowship groups. I'm part of Matt Chin, uh, Matt Chin's leading the Healthy and Active group, right? And, you know, it's just, kind of a, a light-hearted, but still, I think, effective way to kind of help each other stay accountable to health goals and, and other kinds of things. So whether it's, you know, uh, sharing um, articles or... So the way I did it was I committed myself to 
have walking or biking five hours a week. Like five hours a week. So it's like, I thought that was a big deal, but I was talking to one of the NYU students. Who, I, I committed to five hours, and he goes, what? That's not very much. <laughs> but for me, it is. Like, if, if, it's, if, I, if I walk an hour a day and I skip a couple of days, let's say I skip a Sunday and Tuesday, that's, that's five hours, right? So I, I don't know what he was talking about. Anyway, it's been good because uh, for about a month or six weeks, I've, I've hit that goal uh, each time. And, uh, you know, likes and hearts are, are pretty nice to see, right? <laughs> when, when others are, are, are commenting or encouraging you. Yeah, unless our bodies are feeling moderately well, I believe it's hard to dedicate ourselves uh, to the worship of God. If our bodies are demanding the attention of our mind and spirit, then overall we drain the resources that can be applied to loving and serving God. Yeah. Um, have we allowed you know, our bodies to take in an inordinate amount of our energies? Uh, and does it detract uh, from worship uh, too much? Um, think of the metaphor that Paul uses. We should offer our bodies as living sacrifices. In the Old Testament, all animal sacrifices um, had one condition, right? And if you were going to bring an animal to sacrifice, one requirement, and that it, it was that it not be blemished, it not be injured, it not be torn or bleeding. It had to be whole. It had to be wholesome. It had to, in a physical sense, perfect. Now, there's no such thing as human perfect health, right? But there is effort, there is seriousness, there's sobriety that we could take our health. Or we could, should watch our food intake, we should watch our drink intake, we should do requisite physical exercise so that when we present ourselves to God as living sacrifices, at least we should try to be free from unhealthiness, right? Best we can. So that's the first habit. As the body. Next, let's think about um, the soul. How can we worship God, uh, form the ha uh, habit of, of soul, um, of the soul that will improve worship? You know, the numerous things, again, the myriad things that can be said. I'm going to talk about habit of mind. Uh, Paul says that part and parcel with offering our bodies as living sacrifices, uh, we need the mental discipline of of the renewal of the Christ-centered mindset. Actually, it's a two-part process. Verse 2 says, first we are to shed or prevent our mind from being conformed to the patterns of this world. And second, we should be transformed by the renewal of our mind. So the non-confirmation followed by the transformation. And the transformation is literally metamorphosis, right? Like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. So, um, again, within the area of mind, habit of mind, I mean, I'm sure there's thousands of things that we could, could talk about, but I just want to uh, spend our, 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 our message time looking at uh, the concept of distraction slash concentration, right? Our mind's ability to focus, our mind's ability to concentrate in the context of a worship experience, whether it's corporate or whether it's uh, personal. Uh, what I felt, what I think uh, that the pandemic has caused is uh, it's led to a sustained lack of focus. Lack of focus. Um, because so many foundational things in our lives have come under siege these many months, I find, find myself unable to uh, ground myself in 
uh, much stability uh, anywhere, uh, especially when it comes to the discipline of concentration. Because the world is in upheaval, I find myself te being tempted to feel the same. So I don't know where to land. I don't know what to look at. I don't know where to prioritize. And I think where it manifested a lot is um, in uh, information intake. That's, that's my term. You know, how I uh, uh, take in information or knowledge. Um, many times I struggled with the urge to devour news reports on the pandemic, on racial violence, right, on the election, on sports or the lack thereof, on scandals, what have you. Right? I was constantly checking news feeds, emails, and very recently, <laughs> social media, uh, all hours of the day, and sometimes in the middle of my sleep cycle. I think it probably reached compulsion levels right, at times because I was stuck in here. I wanted to know what was happening out there. And uh, even though I rarely enjoyed what I was reading or learning, I still needed to know. As you might guess, my info intake was so cursory, I didn't retain uh, much of what I was reading. It was kind of like a stream of, you know, we talk about stream of consciousness coming out of a person, like a bunch of stuff that doesn't make sense all jumbled. I felt like a stream of conscious in intake. It was coming in, what was coming in was all jumbled and I didn't know where to place them. So it just made me um, like unable to, to focus. But I couldn't stop needing to know the new messages. I had to answer the alert or check the badge. Or I felt kind of irrationally speaking, I might like die. <laughs> like brain death would occur if I didn't follow, if I didn't know, if I didn't check, right? Yeah. And because of this hunger, I found that it was really difficult to concentrate on important things like conversing with somebody, reading substantive material, thinking deeply, or, or worshiping God. Yeah, even when I tried to worship God, focus on God, my, my brain had so many things going on that it, it really uh, denigrated the experience. And the lasting impact was a loss of concentration and the converse, being constantly and easily distracted. Right? I'm doing something and like I'll get lost. I'm, I'm talking about something and I lose my uh, train of thought. Now, it might be the unprecedented events we went through, the technological advancement of accessibility or cabin fever associated with lockdown. Whatever, I, whatever the cause, to me, the, uh, the casualty, the unfortunate casualty is our individual and collective ability to concentrate and pay attention to what's in front of us uh, and or what is uh, important. And I, I think truly it does hinder our walk with God. When we don't experience the delight and profundity of attentive abiding with God, this habit of worship, which should be uh, a beloved, it, it takes a big hit. Uh, it becomes routine. Um, it becomes ritualistic, mindless, hollow even. We go through the motions of worship, thinking we know, feeling like we've done our duty. We haven't really worshipped. We were just part of a worship time or a worship service. We barely participated, even in a passive sense. Like, right? We say, like, don't be passive, be active. But sometimes even below passive is like we're barely there. Right? Our names are on the screen or we're, our body might be in that 
that that kind of situation, but we're not really there. We're checked out, right? All the more so in a virtual uh, environment. It's like going through the motions of a marriage or friendship. Right? Legally, you know, you're married. Or Facebook status says that, you know, you, something is happening. But nothing really is. We hear, but we don't really listen. We speak, but we don't really mean what we say. We are attuned only to the tyranny of the urgent, of the up-to-date, of the attention-grabbing. Right? So in the middle of devotion time, you, get, you hear an alert. You get pinged, and you feel the need, need to immediately respond to an email. Uh, an anxiety related to a deadline pops into our minds and steamrolls our study of God's Word. We're praying for someone's request, and then realize we haven't seen them in six months. And then we start thinking about oh, what is the new CDC, you know, guidelines on, on mask wearing? How does that affect? And we just like, you know, prayer is over. Um, and then there's been the unavoidable virtual nature of many of our gatherings, right? even Bible studies and worship service. I, I want to laud and appreciate everyone for sticking with digital worship service for so as long as we have. Uh, but I'm under no illusion that people are always wrapped with attention throughout the entire service. I struggle with it myself, understandably week in and uh, week out. Um, it's hard to focus on a talking head, on a two-dimensional screen, a tiny uh, a Zoom box, right? But the medium is not the real problem, in my, in my view. It's this habit of distraction, habit of losing uh, focus. Our minds are just in too many different places. And that takes away from the sustained attention needed for the worship of God. Yeah. So we're all Zoom fatigued, right? And there's, there have been many necessary restrictions. But we still need, right? However we're doing it, whether in person or, 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 or digitally, we, to, being together, we, we need to worship. We've got to figure out how to worship God the best we can. Maybe we need to come up with some digital ground rules right, for ourselves. You know, pre-COVID, when you're with people, uh, um, I think uh, whether it's, you know, a physical presence or whether there's pressure or guilt or maybe even genuine interest, um, you know, I, I found myself much more engaged than, than I am in, in, my vir in a virtual realm. Yeah, uh, I think the fact that we have the option of turning off our video in Zoom or Google Meeting, it, it's almost an invitation, a temptation to let our minds drift. You know, sometimes when I turn off the video, I multitask, right? Um, I daydream. I basically do things off screen that maybe detract from uh, what is being covered, the topic or the focus um, of the meeting itself. Now, I've attended a number of, of webinars that I really have a, a remote connection to. I just thought I would listen in kind of half-heartedly. But that habit of doing that, I think, uh, sometimes bleeds over to occasions where I should be really uh, giving uh, my full uh, attention to detailed uh, um, um, concentration, right? So uh, we have to figure out a way how even if we're off screen, we can still be engaged. We can be uh, productive, that our attention does not wander, right? Somehow we have to get our hearts to be tender, so tender to God's presence, so desirous of experiencing him. Um, 
so that you know as old hymn goes that the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace that's worship right again whether it's virtual whether it's in person whether it's alone whether it's with a few people whether it's a bunch of people that's what our minds must want love and figure out how to constantly renew itself to that right so if the worldly pattern uh, of going with the flow during the COVID era is to be pretty much checked out, not all there, not really paying attention, we have to choose nonconformity. We have to say, I'm not going to let that define the most important things in my life. We have to refuse to let that happen. We have to be transformed through renewal, through reformation. We have to do things differently so that as we come out of this pandemic, or even if we never quite do, we really are giving God his due honor through our soul. You know, revive our worship. Roar, let it roar back to life, if you will. Let it surge with vitality. So let me just try two simple habits I've been working on personally, which, by the way, the experts say that's the way to you know, break bad habits and form new good ones is to take baby steps right, and let that kind of... I take small incremental steps and let that grow. So the first has to do with information intake. I told you I felt that's a problematic area in my life. So I've been trying to limit when I can check for new information. So um, 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., 6 p.m., right? Whatever time I need during those uh, hours to kind of you know, respond to email or to you know, check what's happening, get get. Uh, focused on the world. Um, I, I've been doing that. I've been trying to let the in-between hours be more um, enjoyably or more importantly dedicated to you know, things that are uh, less kind of frazzled, less frenetic uh, uh, and stuff. So more mind-free. Um, it's been hard, but I'm going to try to keep at it. Uh, a friend said that as soon as he wakes up, before reading Apple News, he wants to read the good news. Right? So that's kind of the, the mindset, not letting it overwhelm me, uh, but trying to keep it a little bit more uh, um, organized. Uh, second, I want to prepare better for you know, uh, worship, formal worship time, Sundays and otherwise. Um, I recall that um, you know, in previous Sundays, uh, it really helped me if I gave myself some time, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes beforehand to really get prepared for worship. And what I did during that time was I would uh, kind of try to turn off my brain and all my emotions to, to things that deterred me from being fully in God's presence. So my phone, my worries, my plans, my you know, sense perceptions even, right? uh, to really say, okay, I'm going to maximize or I'm going to try to enhance my worship experience by getting ready for it, right? I'm not just going to make it, you know, just, you know, jump into it on that day, but I'm going to be ready so that when it, when God gives me that hour or gives me that 10 minutes or gives me the, that, that half a day, it'll be more impactful. It'll be less uh, disjointed. So, so just for me, two quick habits that I'm trying. What about you? What are some ways in which you can avoid conformity and pursue transformation? Okay, the last area of reformed habits of worship relates to our spirit, right? We've done body, we've done soul, and now spirit. Uh, 
And I think this is probably the largest um, uh, component of our personality uh, since, you know, God wants us to worship him in spirit and truth. But I'm going to stay close to the Romans text and talk about the discipline of discerning and confirming the will of God. Uh, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that's basically worship, isn't it? Yeah. A relational experience with God which fosters obedience to his will for us. Yeah. When we please God by learning his will and doing it, right, that is, you know, what worship uh, really is. It involves other aspects, but uh, that's the bottom line. Right? Even if we go through all the um, motions of worship, the, the activities of worship, if your life, if my life doesn't obey God, is not aligned with God's will, that's just kind of like, you know, uh, some sort of experience. The fruit of worship is, yeah, uh, obedience, uh, doing, knowing and doing God's will. Now, as Christians, we're uh, often preoccupied with trying to find God's will for our lives. There's, of course, an overall will or what they call a prevenient will that's generally applicable to all Christians. Like, for example, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, right? Paul says that this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So all the time, that's, you know, God's will for us. But sometimes there's a specific or particular will that God might reveal for us. And we all want to know that. We want to know the blueprint. We want to know what's happening tomorrow, in six months, in five years. We want, we want a, a snapshot or more, a blueprint of what our, how our life is going to turn out. Advanced knowledge, right, is, is so desirable uh, for us. But I think what Romans 12 is saying is that unless we are willing to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, unless we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, God doesn't readily reveal his specific or personal will uh, for us, right? Only when those things happen, only when we're worshiping God, in, in, in fact, um, it says, then you will be able to approve, test and approve what God's holy and pleasing perfect will is. In other words, um, we won't really get to know God's will unless we are really willing to carry out God's will. Right? So if we're just doing it for knowledge's sake or for, for you know, personal comfort or, or whatnot, then sometimes God will not uh, uh, respond. Right? Sometimes we just want God to tell us what to do. We're, we run out of patience. We're, running, we're afraid of running afoul of getting in trouble with God. Sometimes we really want to please God, and so we want God's answer fast and clear, but he doesn't reveal his will willy-nilly, right? I think um, because even if he tells us what his will is, if we're not worshiping him, if we're not renewed in our minds, it's a waste, if I could say it that way, right? It, it, it'll just, you know, uh, we'll, we'll struggle with it. Maybe we'll like it. I don't know, but it won't really be something that we embrace, something that we um, change our life to to match, right? Knowing is one thing, obedience is another. So I think many times God waits until we're ready, until we have formed the habit of discerning and approving God's will by putting it into action. No matter how difficult, how desire, undesirable it may turn out to be, right? Because God's will is precious, unless we expend precious energies in prayer and sacrifice and habit forming um, in order to ascertain what God's purpose might be, 
Yeah, he is under no obligation to tell us. Somebody put it this way, full surrender precedes full revelation. So I think the habit that we want to break is wanting to know God's will without surrendering our will to him first. I think that's a habit, right? You know, because it, it's, it kind of fits in our, uh, our way of kind of controlling our lives, right? We want God's will to be part of our choices, but we won't let it subsume our will, right? But in the act of worship, you know, we got to constantly submit our wills uh, to God. And that's why Jesus was so close with God. That was his most, to me, defining characteristic. It epitomized in the prayer uh, at the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but yours uh, be done. Right? That is worshiping in the Spirit to me. Jesus knew God's will because... Jesus constantly emptied himself of his own will. And that's a very difficult habit to form. Like I said, we have so many plans, we have so many agenda, we have so many demands, so many desires and expectations that it's hard to evacuate our spirits from controlling uh, our lives. And so we don't know God's will, right? We don't know what God wants because we're so full of what we want. So following, imitating Jesus, right? is to constantly say and, and live out this, not my will, but yours uh, be done. I feel like COVID has really calcified this kind of self-direction, self-dependence that we naturally possess. Uh, because the pandemic has proved, proven that life can really change for the worse. Right? There really is an existential threat that could terminate our lives and dreams, even in safe and secure America. We realize that nothing is guaranteed. So there's a limited time to achieve our goals or to experience what life has to offer. I know there's a statistic that says marriages and child rearing have demonstrably declined during the pandemic. But my observation is that people are more worried about finding a significant other or, or producing offspring because time might run out on us, right? We don't want to miss out. And these are valid concerns. I, I think that's great. But Sometimes they lead us away from God's will. So God's will has to have the prominence. It has to control our, our will, if you know what I mean. So how do we get better? Uh, how do we develop the habit of discerning and applying God's will? No easy answers. None whatsoever. Uh, this is the way I've been thinking about it. That I want to identify God's will um, when it, uh, I shouldn't say it this way, I identify God's will by, for me, by always looking to what will help me become more Christ-like, right? So if there's choices, if there's a path, if there's a direction I need to know, how will that make me more like Jesus? Right? I feel like that is kind of a, a habit that I can kind of wrap my mind around and, and my, my life around. God's overarching makeover plan for each of us is to conform to Jesus Christ, right? so that we act like him, we talk like him, we think like him, we feel like him, right? 
And that's what he wants. Uh, to, that's what he's doing. He's chiseling us. He's sanding us down. He's shaping us so that we can imitate Christ more and more. Right? So the habit that I want to let go is, you know, insisting on my will. And the one that I want to develop is to imitate his will. Or choosing things intentionally that make me more uh, like Christ. So uh, this would be more important than personal success. This would be more important than emotional satisfaction. It's more important than the approval of others. It's more important than being the most pragmatic. right? It's more important than being cool or radical or, or courageous. Does this path, does this behavior, does this whatever decision make me um, more like uh, Christ? Um, the Gospels are full of Jesus walking in worship uh, with his Father. right? And so I, I pray that we'll spend time thinking, studying, uh, incorporating his example for us. And we need to do it. Again and again and again and again, right? That's what habit forming is. I was listening to a YouTube uh, thing about the neuroscience of, of habit forming and the difference between an explicit memory and an implicit memory, right? You use basal ganglia versus the hippocampus, right? And, uh, um, so a habit is learned, repeated uh, behavioral patterns to so the point that it becomes unconscious or automatic, Right? So, you know, neurologically, when we keep doing a certain thing, right, uh, when, when our neurons what, fire together, they wire together was another term that was used. So by continually doing the same thing, good thing, right, we can strengthen that neural path. We can strengthen that uh, connection to the point that we don't even really have to be conscious or, or think about it. It's kind of like muscle memory is, is the analogy that that I made. And so if we keep Jesus and his example, his power, his presence uh, in our life, I think that the bad habit of insisting on my will will hopefully recede, right, weaken, and the good habit of doing God's, of, of endorsing and following and obeying God's will, just like Jesus did, will grow more and more. Okay, we've tried uh, to look at the three areas, right, and to try to give some ways in which we can really reform our habits. Uh, let's take just a little bit of time to reflect and pray.